Welcome to Vitality Made Simple. The following production is for educational and entertainment purposes only. If you need medical advice, call your doctor. Now, let's go to Vitality Made Simple. Welcome to Vitality Made Simple, where we take the stress out of being healthy. I'm your host, Dr. Debbie Osment, and I sincerely thank you for joining me. So, what does vitality look like in your life? Several people have asked me lately to define vitality. Now, if you look that word up in the American Heritage Dictionary, vitality is defined as physical or intellectual vigor, energy or liveliness. So then that means that we have to look up vigor as uh, the primary synonym. Now, vigor is defined as physical and mental strength energy, or force. It's the capacity for natural growth and survival, a strong feeling of enthusiasm or intensity. I think that is a terrific definition of vitality. I love physical and mental strength, uh, energy. I, I just, I want to help you have more vitality. We all want that. If you're listening to this podcast, I obviously can assume that you want that. But unfortunately, anxiety, depression, and less than optimal mental health is rampant in our modern world. And nothing zaps vitality like anxiety. I mean, you know, anxiety just makes you tired. It makes you see the world differently. So today's podcast is dedicated to helping you decrease anxiety, decrease depression, and to have more mentally happy days. Now, knowledge is power, and this is information you're going to want. There are many excellent studies that have been done recently that have looked at the impact of food on mental health, or really more accurately, mental illness. So I want to uh, kind of dive deep into one of those studies. Now, have you ever been to the grocery store and thought, oh, wow, there's an entire aisle of bad mood food? Well, me neither, but I think I might look at it that way now after uh, researching this topic. I think maybe you'll see dif- see it differently, too, from now on. Now, there are actually foods that can trigger anxiety, trigger depression, and dampen your mental health. This is super important information. You know, and lots of people have been uh, wondering about that. They've asked that question, and so it's actually been tested. Now, the study that I want to reference today was done by five medical schools who all worked together, and they took a close look at over 10,000 people over a five-year period. They published their findings in July of 2021 in a journal called Public Health Nutrition. The study is called Cross-Sectional Examination of Ultra-Processed Food Consumption and Adverse Mental Health Outcomes. It's really a great read, and it's open access, so it's not one that you have to pay for. Now, uh, and I say it's a fun read, but that's fun in confirming something that we've seen over and over and fun in terms of helping people solve problems and have more vitality, have less illness. Now, the goal of this study was to explore whether or not people who consumed higher amounts of ultra-processed food experienced more adverse 
mental health symptoms. They looked at ultra-processed food as a percentage of total caloric intake, and they asked the study participants to report how they felt regarding you know, mild depression, uh, anxiety, or mentally unhealthy days. Now, now these were smart researchers, and they adjusted for potential confounding variables. So that would be things like if somebody had, you know, a big time of grief, then that obviously was um, contributing to their anxiety, depression, and mental health problems. So they tried to adjust that out. So again, the study's over 10,000 participants, and uh, they defined ultra-processed foods as you know, food formulations that contained oils, fats, sugars, starches, protein isolates, um, preservatives, food colorings, uh, all of those kinds of things that have giant words with lots and lots of syllables and things that are hard to pronounce. I you know, I want to always define things. Uh, protein isolates, you might see those on a lot of energy bars. And those are actually highly concentrated proteins that um, that might sound good. And once in a while, of course, they're not bad. But it might be a whey protein isolate or a so- soy protein isolate. Um, and it, it's considered, you know, technically a pure purer form of the protein, but that comes at the cost of other nutrients. You also might find these protein isolates in protein powders. While it might not be all bad, you want to know that 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 product is considered to be an ultra-processed food. And, um, you know, there are, you know, emulsifiers in a lot of these foods. Emulsifiers are uh, chemicals that keep foods from separating. They allow oil and water to mix. And, you know, while that makes a dressing look better, some of those are actually very, very unhealthy for gut health. They also contain what are termed cosmetic additives. And those are food colorings. Those are things that make the food look more appetizing. These are not things you're going to see in a cookbook, in a list of ingredients of homemade foods. These are uh, lots and lots of chemicals. And and when I first saw this study, I thought, oh, ultra-processed foods are a very small percentage of processed foods. But I found out that I was very wrong about that. In fact, ultra-processed foods are 70% of all packaged foods in the United States. Um, so basically, if a food has a nutrition label or is in a package, it, it's a high chance that it's ultra-processed. Um, now, of course, these ultra-processed foods are very convenient. They're, uh, they can be low-cost. They're quick to prepare. They're ready to eat. But they're basically pretty deficient in... Um, nutrients and they're they're foods that are unrecognizable to maybe our grandparents, great grandparents. I mean they're just they have a lot of things in them that that people of recent generations would not recognize. And it, and you can guess what these foods are. I mean, it's the most commonly consumed uh, things like sugar sweetened beverages, packaged snacks, chips, breakfast cereals, uh, cookies, cakes, breads, um, 
you know, the list goes on and on. These are things that have a pretty long expiration date usually. You know, they don't rot or sprout. You know, for example, if you lose a package of, you know, some chips under your car seat and you find that package six months later, you're probably going to say, hmm, it looks the same, tastes the same, not that different. You know, sort of like that old joke, you know, how long does it take a Twinkie to rot? Well, uh, we can't answer that because nobody really knows a Twinkie has never rotted. Uh, I actually saw a news report a few years ago about a 43-year-old Twinkie that still looked edible. I mean, it just refused to rot. So, we we want to we want to be aware of of what an ultra processed food is now a processed food might be something like cottage cheese or or milk that's been pasteurized so you can see that the ultra includes a whole lot of foods and you don't have to be from Oklahoma to know that all of this processing actually depletes the nutritional value of the food and increases the number of calories because you know these ultra processed foods tend to be high in added sugar you know regardless of, of what they have put on the nutrition label, and I say nutrition uh, lightly, um, but you know, there's a lot of different names for sugar, but they're also high in salt and they're high in unhealthy fats. Uh, of course, you know, that list that I um, just rattled off, they're, they're all low in fiber and, and vitality made simple. I love to talk about gut health. I love to talk about how important it is to have a great, beautiful bowel movement every day. And so, you know, if they're low in fiber, uh, they're going to be harming you in all kinds of ways that affect your gut, which affects your brain, which affects all different things. So, and we know these foods are typically low in vitamins, minerals, and phytochemicals, things that, that you find naturally in foods that don't need a label. So back to this study, what did they find? We may not like their findings, but we really need to hear this because when I first saw this study, I didn't think the findings were going to be quite this dramatic. Researchers evaluated three mental health symptoms. They looked at mild depression, they looked at the number of mentally unhealthy days, and they looked at the number of anxious days that these people uh, reported. Now, again, 10,359 people. That is quite an amazing cross-section of people. And um, the, they had to answer questions like, during the past you know, 30 days, how many days was your mental health not good? I mean, that's a pretty strong question. Uh, another question was, you know, during the past 30 days, how many days did you feel, you know, worried, tense, or anxious? And so they also kept track generally of of what they were eating. And I don't know about you, but I think if you're keeping track of, of something like that, you're probably eating less of it. I've experienced that as a dentist. If, if um, you know, through the years, somebody would come in and we'd say, well, how's your, how's your oral hygiene? How are you doing at home? How's your flossing? Oh, I've been flossing. And then when you really talk about it, it's like, well, I flossed last week because I knew I was coming to the dentist. So I really wonder if some of these studies, if people did a better job because they knew they had to write it down. I mean, writing down what you eat is a good strategy for eating less. Nevertheless, uh, they found that in this giant group of people, ultra-processed food uh, constituted 57% of their total caloric intake. Now, here's the kicker. 
the people that consumed the most ultra-processed food as compared with those who consumed the least had, and I quote, statistically significant increases in adverse mental health symptoms, including mild depression, mentally unhealthy days, and anxious days, end quote. Now, they also had uh, much lower rates of reporting zero mentally uh, unhealthy days and zero anxious days. In other words, most days they felt pretty bad. And, um, you know, that that was a brave study. I mean, a super brave study because, and those were brave people that would be in a study like that. Uh, I, I so admire that. You know, these foods that we're talking about, they have what is called the bliss factor. You know, they are so delicious that you eat the entire bag, you lick your fingers, you start looking for more before you even realize it. You know, they are uh, highly, highly addictive and they trigger your brain to say more, 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 more. The the companies that engineer these foods, um, they, they watch people eat them and they have functional MRIs, MRIs that are looking at the brain in real time to see if the correct area lights up that makes these, to make sure these foods are addictive. They have what are, what is called a vanishing caloric density. And basically that means you're never satisfied. And so that's why this study is so relevant to each and every one of us. We live in a very stressful world and we don't need our food to add to that stress. You know, whether we like it or not, our brains have specific design requirements. And of course, the primary job of our bodies is to carry these brains around and support brain health in every way. Our bodies recognize, you know, real food, whole food, and that's what we need to help our brain work efficiently. Now, there's been basic research um you know, for years that has shown that, you know, food additives, you know, artificial sweeteners, emulsifiers, all the things, you know, colorings can lead to more mental health problems. And of course, you know, some of this effect is, is, um, you know, indirect affecting all different parts of the body. It affects your blood sugar. It affects chronic inflammation, which affects the brain. It can harm your mitochondria, the the little uh, power producing engines in each cell. You know, um, it interferes with the the beneficial good bacteria uh, in your gut, on and on and on and on. And, you know, what happens so often is people start experiencing anxiety, depression, poor mental health, they go to the doctor and they automatically get a prescription. Well, some people need a prescription, but everybody doesn't. And maybe they, maybe you just need to change what you're eating uh, because when you get a prescription, there's going to be side effects associated with that also. You know, but unfortunately, in modern societies, you know, and all over the world, when we've traveled, you know, we see these same foods everywhere, and it's absolutely the norm to be the majority of daily energy intake. You know, in this study, it was 57% of the people who were uh, keeping track. And when you see the results of, of a study like this of over 10,000 people, you can know that it probably matters for you. So even though it's normal, we don't want to be normal. We want to do everything possible to support our brains, to avoid anxiety, 
avoid depression, and we want to have lots and lots and lots of mentally healthy days. Now, our relationships depend on this. Uh, Mental health is a big factor in relationships. Although it might be normal that this is what most people eat all the time, we don't want to be normal. Normal is only the typical, the familiar pattern in a society at a given point of time. So for most of human history, people have not eaten this. Now, remember what the usual and typical pattern is in our world at this point in history. Now say it with me if you're a Vitality Made Simple regular listener. Normal is dehydrated, irritated, constipated, frustrated, overscheduled, overstimulated, undernourished, underrested, inflamed, and totally stressed out. Normal is taste buds that crave, you know, this bliss factor of ultra-processed food, but that's going to set you up for anxiety, for depression, and for more uh, mentally unhealthy days. Now, so if you want to have, you know, a happier life, you really have to decrease your intake of these ultra-processed foods. But that's not an easy task, right? You're saying, yeah, Debbie, uh, but I love that stuff. I, you know, I, I, when I, when I want to celebrate, I, you know, here's what I want to have. And it's not probably on the exterior aisle of the grocery store. So if you really want to make these changes, you have to take this knowledge and renew your mind. It's not just about willpower. Uh, willpower would say, okay, I, it's okay. I, I just don't want to have it. I'm going to just avoid it. You know, willpower doesn't last. Uh, pretty soon, you're going to have a rough day. You're going to, you know, be somewhere and you're just going to give in. And I'm not saying that you're never going to have another cheese puff, but you don't want it to be 57% of your daily intake. And you want to evaluate that in light of how you're feeling mentally and emotionally. So if you want to renew your mind, you have to decide to look at these foods with a different lens. You have to keep your eyes on what you really want And in this case, it's mental health. You want to have more happy days. Now, obviously, ultra-processed foods are not the only factor in mental health, but they are certainly one of the biggies. And this is not the only study that's been done uh, that's achieved the same results. But I thought this was a great one to highlight today. Decreasing these intensely uh, addictive foods is not easy. Uh, in fact, I, I really think it's along the lines of smoking cessation in terms of difficulty. It's very, very difficult. If you've ever uh, stopped smoking, you'll you'll know what I mean. And if you ha- you have to have a strategy if you're going to stop smoking, and you have to have a strategy uh, regarding ultra processed foods if you want to have you know a better, stronger vibrant mental health. Now, this reminds me of a success story that I think is valuable for all of us. It's, it's really helped me a lot. Uh, when I met my husband, Mike, I was in my late 20s, and I was so surprised to hear at that time that he was a recovered cigarette smoker. He had started smoking at age 15 and had smoked for at least a decade. Now, I was so surprised because he hated cigarettes, and he was so intolerant of people who smoked. His mom was a smoker, 
And in fact, he would make her sit outside, no matter what the weather was, and smoke her cigarettes. She'd just be sitting out there shivering. And I was like, I would be like, you need to let her come in. And he's like, no, no, she's not coming in here. We're not going to have that smoke in our house after we got married. Um, But, you know, he'd grown up in this family of smokers. So naturally he smoked. And then he was in the army where a lot of people smoked, you know, off and on, depending on what their, you know, physical um, drills were. But it, it was just sort of easy to start, but difficult to quit. So fast forward, he decided to quit. He tried, you know, tried willpower. Uh, started again, on and on and on. You know, he, he would quit so many times. And, um, you know, he knew that it was expensive. He knew that there were health hazards, but um, it was so difficult to quit. He said the thing that the final strategy that finally empowered him to quit was that he actually renewed his mind to see cigarettes in a different light. He d- said he decided to see them as totally filthy. He decided to look at cigarettes as something that would destroy his clothes. And um, and once he decided that, he said that it was easy not to pick up that, you know, that filthy cigarette. That's what worked for him. He um, eventually, they became totally unappealing. It was not like, oh, I'd like to have a cigarette. It's like, no, thank you. I I don't want a cigarette. And of course, he sort of moved the pendulum the other way uh, when it came to making his mother sit out in the snow. But that's another story. So if you're struggling, you know, from anxiety, from depression, if you're having, you know, fewer great days than you want to have, you might think about changing your mindset toward these ultra processed foods. Because This is absolutely one of the contributing factors to how you're feeling mentally and emotionally. And you have some control over this. Uh, You you can think about renewing your mind so that you won't feel like you're missing out on anything good. You know, it's really important to um, to do this because you don't want to make anything the, the forbidden fruit in your life. You have to change how you think about it. So when you see something ultra processed that you're trying to eat less of, or maybe even delete from your life, rather than thinking, you know, yum, 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 start retraining your brain to think, oh my goodness, that's going to increase anxiety in my life. That's going to steal my mental vitality. That's going to decrease my happiness. It comes down to changing actually the neurons in your in your brain. It's called firing and wiring. Neurons that fire together, wire together. I've talked about this a lot on Vitality Made Simple. It's known as the Hebbian Law. So it was postulated back in the mid-1950s by Donald Hebb. So neurons that fire together, wire together. So every time you think a thought it gets easier to keep thinking that thought. And that can be a good thought or that can be a bad thought. You know, think about it like a well-worn trail. You know, you might have a little path to the back of your your yard and first you're kind of cutting down things to get through there. But the more you walk that trail, the wider it gets. So the more you think a thought, good or bad, the more automatic it gets. Now, 
there's a lot of mental health advice in the Bible. And this goes right along with um, Philippians 4.8, which is one of my very favorite scriptures. It says, you know, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's any thing praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Now that is like, the Hebbian law, but, uh, you know, 2000 years ago, I, I believe it's just great mental health advice and what I consider one of those God said it first truth. So it's worth memorizing Philippians 4, 8, um, whether or not you're struggling with anxiety. Now, remember, these these elegantly designed bodies are merely our relationship vehicles. They're not going to last forever, but relationships are what matter. Love God, love people. And mental vitality is key for healthy and happy relationships. So when you think of your body as a vehicle, just like any nice vehicle, you're going to have some maintenance requirements and you're going to have some check engine lights. Um, but generally, it, you're, it's this vehicle is going to generally run better and last longer if you take good care of it and if you treat it like it was designed to be treated. So, you know, our bodies are going to recognize real food. They're going to work better on real food. And um, our bodies are uh, impacting how our brains are working. So thanks for joining me today. I hope you can get a plan when it comes to taming these um, addictions because these are real challenges in our world. And don't feel alone if you're struggling with this because lots and lots of people are. And, And go back to the original question. You know, what does vitality look like to you? What do you want more of in your life? And what do you want less of? So thank you for joining me. Health does not need to be confusing, expensive, or no fun. And I thank you for listening. And uh, today was episode 77. If it helped you, uh, please share it. Thank you for subscribing. We're now in uh, 866 cities. We picked up 19 cities this week, uh, 67 countries. And that's all thanks to you. I appreciate this, your sharing and subscribing. Uh, Blessings until next time. P.S. I have a little P.S. today because I know that uh, a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety is in our world. And I think um, a, a lot of people fear things they can't change. I think a lot of people fear the future and fear death. So I just want to um, give you this P.S. And and it's I think it's very important to have an eternal biblical perspective when it comes to mental health, um, we uh, we're all we're all going to die, and it's easy to fear death. So I want to point you to Romans ten nine. That's a scripture that says, "If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved." Now, there's there's nothing we can add to this. Nothing we can take it away. It's very simple. Faith in Christ is the path to eternal life. So thanks again for joining me. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.